0: What would you like the power
1: to do? Mobile
0: banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDIC.
1: It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper?
2: From the 5th Quarter Studios in Madison, Wisconsin, you're listening to Coach Unplugged. And now, your host, Steve Collins. Hey everybody, welcome to Coach Unplugged, episode 664. We're going to talk to Coach Lammy today. Um, It's a three-part series, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, so we're super excited about talking to him. He's got a lot of great golden nuggets in here. But before we jump into that, I'd like to give a big shout out to our two sponsors. First of all, Doctor Dish, in my opinion, the most innovative shooting machine on the market. If you can see, there, I don't believe there's another machine that gives you the workouts and the things like that. And what I love about Doctor Dish is all the stuff that they have in the last three or four months that they have given back the communities, the workouts, the drills. Um, you know, I hats off to them. Mention Coach Unplugged, they give you three hundred and fifty dollars off your next purchase. Also. I can tell you, I'm working with my programmer. I've said this for like six months, but we are close. Um, prices are going to be increasing because um, I got to pay for the programmer at TeachHoops.com. So go over and check it out. We've added a lot of new information, a lot of new stuff. Um, you will not be disappointed. It is a great resource. It is one-stop shopping for basketball coaches. You get my email. You get me. Um, you know, I. If you need, if you need references, trust me, I, I will get them to you. I spent this morning. Walking through some uh, some um, film with a with a coach member, talking about what he what what I think he needs to do next year, you know that's what I that's 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 the service that you'll get with t So go over and check it out. All right, let's head off to the podcast. All right, welcome to Coach Unplugged. Like I was teasing with Coach, I'm not sure what what number this is going to be. It's probably going to still be in the six hundreds for podcast, but I'm not sure. Um, so Coach, okay, so I'm gonna is it is it Lammy? How do you say your last name? Yes, Lammy. Lammy. Ooh, good. Yes. That was good. Yeah, you hit it on the mark. That's very rarely do I do do that. I mean, the first day of school, I teach teach statistics. and, And so, like, I'm in heaven with all the stats that are going on right now. But uh, I, uh, I have the kids pronounce their names first all the way around so I can hear it. Um, and I didn't have Coach do that. Um, but Coach, I'm going to have you introduce yourself, kind of tell your basketball journey to all the listeners. And then um, we're going to talk about a couple topics and we'll dive in and see where the crazy thing takes us. But um,
0: sure. Okay, hey, go well, ahead. It's yeah, all yours. My name's Steve Lammy. I'm the uh, head basketball coach at Grove City College, which is in a small Christian uh, college in western Pennsylvania. And uh, what's my the biggest journey-
2: city? What's the biggest city close to it? So I can put yeah, it we're in-
0: an hour north of Pittsburgh exact just okay. right up the interstate yeah, that's not bad okay yeah no i mean and, uh, I, yeah
2: i was trying to think if i was trying to think if my son looked at any schools in pennsylvania i know we drive Maybe we go my brother has a place in new hampshire so we drive
0: yeah we're right off of uh, route 80 so yeah uh, really easy to get to okay so. okay and how old is that school 1876 76. so we, okay. we, we, we've been blessed and uh have have not lost our roots you know it's a high academic christian school always has been always hopefully always will be well, all right yeah. and how did you get there What where, where did you start yeah you know uh, well i i graduated from Grove. City back in uh, the mid '80s, okay, and um, I got a teaching certificate while I was here. So uh, my first job was in in the middle of the state, uh, a town called Lebanon, and right. I was the freshman basketball coach there. And I taught biology, so I did that for four years. And, and then I everybody got to... should be a freshman
2: coach at some point in their life. Amen. It's you know, God. I was talking to a coach, I don't remember who it was, and I've done so many of these in the last couple of weeks. And it's like it, it teaches you a couple things. It teaches you, it teaches you the beginning of the sport. It teaches you keeping track of things. It teaches you you need to. Coach coach from the center of the court
0: <laughs> that's a great point Steve Isn't yeah and, and I had to make up my own lesson plans and right. my own practice plans and so right you, uh, you're just thrown I, I into really the fortune. You, you are quote unquote a head what I
2: tell people when you're a freshman coach you're a head coach and they go what do you yes. mean I go you are running that freshman team mm-hmm. the, the, the varsity coach is going to tell you he's not watching you every day and at practice right. every day it's your team you know he's yeah. gonna maybe tell you I mean I would tell my freshman to play man do these kind of things but I'm not watching them it's like I said you're the, it's not like you're a varsity assistant you're mm-hmm. you're running Running a team and that's a great
0: thing, I think. But yeah, and you did that for how long? I did that for four years, and then I got a break, and I was I was hired as a graduate assistant coach at Kent State University over in Ohio. Okay. Yep. And was there for two years. Instead of staying in the college ranks, I wanted to go back and and teach and coach the high school. So I did that for three years, and then uh, my head coach at Grove City College, his name is John Barr, uh, was in was in need of an assistant, and uh, so I I became his assistant for. Uh, ten thousand dollars. I had <laughs> to live in the dormitory. What, what year was that? That was in nineteen ninety four. Where's your vow of poverty, right there, baby? Yeah. Well, I, I I was I had no debt and I was not married. Okay. And I lived in the dorm and and I taught some biology uh, laboratories. But um, when he retired four years later, uh, I was elevated to the head coaching position. That was in nineteen ninety eight. 1998 okay so i've been at grove city uh,
2: ever since um so a couple of questions before we dive into some of your topics what um what what is what
0: is the easiest part of recruiting for your school what's the hardest part of recruiting for your school yeah that's a great question uh the easy part is uh, we're such a niche school right that yeah. we're going to um like a, a part of the population is going to be eliminated just because of academics and and another part of the population is going to be eliminated because they don't want a faith-based school right so uh, we know who we can, we, we can target kids right off the bat by just asking a couple questions early in the process.
2: Right, I think sometimes, so
0: that, I was talking to a college coach, I think sometimes it's easier for schools like that, like yes. like
2: like the, like the league my son's going to with middle the, there's only a percentage of the kids that can get into those schools, period you're eliminating 98% of the general population that plays basketball and that are male mm-hmm. and then you're only dealing with the two, so and now you're yeah, you're and, probably even niching down more like academic and mm-hmm.
0: uh, Christian base. Or yes that's awesome okay so that that's the easy part but the difficult part is of late over the last i would say 10 years it's it's the finances where a young man a family has to pay for for the for uh, college and our costs have slowly risen over that time right and up until this year the financial aid has gone down and so we have to sell and, and we, we do have a good product here but it's it's hard to sell to people that obviously, I mean, they want a good education, but they don't want to pay. For it yeah, I know. I know. That's why I was so happy. I was so
2: happy my son got into Middlebury because they're, they're need blind. They're a need blind school. Mm-hmm. Um, so they wanted him. He got in and then they yeah. gave us the financial aid based on what we make and what we can afford. It was supposed mm-hmm. to sending him to UW-Madison. That's um, fantastic. I know. So that's a
0: wonderful thing, but a lot of schools are not that way. No, it's like, and I think that schools like Middlebury, because they're so good academically and 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 we are too but we have a a different niche because both schools stand for something they're going to survive this crisis i think some schools that are just i think uh, there's going to be a
2: lot of schools the size of your school that are not going to come out of the other end of this i agree or they're going to hang on for a year and then people are going i'm not paying that price to go online um Mm -hmm. that's that that is the issue i think the ones that are i mean this is a nursing school if you want to go here it's a small school blah 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 and you want to become those are the kind of schools that i think are going to make it i think I think actually some of the big universities are going to, they're going to have, the states are going to have to come in and help them out. Yeah. And Um,
0: I, I, I fear, well, I I think they will. I think they will come in. I think there's going to be a bailout uh, in higher education. I don't know how, how much.
2: Right. Because I'm the stats teacher. There's no way you're putting 40,000 kids into UW-Madison, UW-Wisconsin. There's no way. Right. Yeah. You're not gonna, yeah. They're not going to social distance. I've taught at age, <laughs> they're not social distance. They might not get sick as much, but they're not going to social distance. All right, so let's jump into your topic. So well, first, when you said something about offensive strategy, what was that you wanted to talk
0: well, about? Well, uh, some of the mistakes that I made, uh, and, and also how I learned to maybe why run a certain offense rather than something else. And right. uh, I, I learned from John Barr, who was a longtime coach here at Grove City, it, it comes down to three things. I mean, your offensive, what you run offensively should come down to your own personnel the personnel uh, of the of your opponents who you have to play you know, night in and night out, and then your ability to teach and to coach. So um, in, in my first decade here at Grove City, uh, our our talent was comparable with everybody else in the league. In fact, over those 10 years, uh, everyone, every league member won the league or either won the league or won the uh, conference tournament. And um, so there was a lot of parity. And, and we were running offenses that I would say were, were popular back then. We actually ran the swing offense for a while when we had a, a certain clientele. I
2: did that too. I did that when I had the NBA kick. The I coach Wesley Matthews Bucks, and yeah. I, I ran and swing. And part of it is they were just so talented that I had, I had to make sure they were doing what they needed to do at times. So like, <laughs> bow down. I know you, could yeah. Off. But I, yeah, I it, love okay. that offense. It's a great but, offense. It's a great yep. offense.
0: And our, our clientele changed a little bit, and so we were we were running the Princeton off. But then, um, uh, in the early part of this decade, some things that were not in our control changed the uh, uh, the competitive atmosphere. Why? was that we allowed four new schools to join our conference. Okay. All of them were basketball schools <laughs> with great tradition, okay? So that it made it tougher there. But this was also the time where our costs were rising and our financial aid was going down. So what was happening was our, our talent level was staying the same, but we were seeing talent at our our competitors going up. And everybody, I hope you enjoy the podcast. Make sure you subscribe and like no matter where you listen, Apple
2: spotify we love those five star reviews make sure you also go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better well, we wasn't
0: a level playing field is basically. it was not a level yeah. playing field but we were continuing to it was like we were playing our strength against the strength of our opponents in terms of offense right but the strength of our opponents was stronger than our strength and <laughs> right and, and, and so we were we were losing right um in fact i i, I told this uh, so so go, well, before, you right.
2: that, before you do that before that so let's talk about the recruit you obviously recruit a specific type of of player, kid, first of all, kid, or students. Yes. Now, they're not kids, they're student because they're that 18 years, 18 to 22, they're, they're students. So you're recruiting a specific type of student academic faith-based blah 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 but then yes. in those in those 10 years were you looking for a specific type of player were you trying because the, the swing is a very specific were you recruiting to like Bo Ryan I think is one of the best coaches as far as recruiting to the type of system he
0: plays mm-hmm. um, I think
2: Tony Bennett's very good about that right now in Virginia he recruits the type of players
0: fits his system were you yes. doing that um no we weren't we, okay. we were just trying to get the best player okay to come to Grove City and then we were uh, adjusting the offense okay. Okay. to the clientele that we had. And then as our telling, I would say it was staying steady, but everyone else's was was rising. And I use this analogy. It's a military one from the Revolutionary War. Like the, the Continental Army had of farmers and peasants going against the uh, British Redcoats, which was the best army uh, in the world at that time. And had the, had the Continental Army fought the same way as the Redcoats well, we would have lost the War of Independence. Right,
2: so, we'd be drinking tea. We'd be drinking tea at two in the afternoon. You're you're yes, right.
0: Right, <laughs> and, and you know, keeping with that uh, uh, with that analogy, we said as a staff, we okay, we have to, we have to, we have to do things again. War analogy, asymmetric warfare. Right. We have to, we have to guerrilla warfare. So we have to do something different. And at the time, we had a, a specific type of club. We were a little bit bigger, a little bit slower. Um, uh, we knew that that we could be good around the paint, maybe up to 15 feet. And so we, we came up with an offense that allows, that allowed every one of our players on that team at that time to score, not, n- not just our, our best, but but right. everybody. Uh, I, we were thinking about an offense that would be difficult to guard, uh, an offense that would also, because we were strong and physical, could maybe wear down our opponents so that they weren't as effective on their side of the floor offensively, And then also an offense that we could, we could teach well. And some, that would would fit our culture and you're gonna laugh but we came up with the flex offense the flex offense Okay which is as old as you and me Steve maybe, right. oh, maybe older it was the game changer for us It's very similar to the swing you know, it's very similar to
2: the swing just a few different
0: Exactly issues. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and it fit our style and no one else was running it It seems like at least at the collegiate level virtually every team is running a variant of the dribble drive offense which is effective right. or, or people would do it but we couldn't do that because we didn't have the same talent level right. So we're doing guerrilla warfare in basketball and and, and our way of doing that was the flex. Option. How many teams, so, how many
2: teams in your league? Uh, there are 10. There are 10. And what, what does everybody at most, everyone runs some form of dribble drive? Yes. Uh,
0: I would say eight of the 10 do okay. uh, a variant of it. So you're, so, you're,
2: you're, you're talking about something that I'm a firm believer in. If you're ex if you're zigzag, you're zag and I'm zigzagging I'm, zig, I mean, I'm doing something always opposite. If everyone in our league is doing this, I mean, I play more zone than I necessarily like because everyone mm-hmm. plays man. So I'm going to play some zone because you're all playing man. Man. You know, yeah, I, yeah. I I just want to – it's that guerrilla warfare thing. I think it's a great analogy for young coaches that are listening. Yeah, to
0: Steve, that. and I, I think the same way because, at least on offense, no one's running the flex, and so everyone has to prepare for us a little bit differently. I mean, and you have two days to prepare, but um, and everyone knows the screens are coming. Everyone knows it's a down screen, cross screen. You still have to guard it. The the 18th man on our squad is effective in it because we're, we're trying to get layups. Right. You, know, you don't have to be flashy. You don't and, have are, to have And to you're experience. working on – the,
2: you're working on the read because I'm switching you probably a lot if I can or yes. even blah, blah, blah. Well, then right. I know you're going to switch. So here's my reads and the switches. And how am I doing mm. that? And I'm trying to get an isolation, rego- you know, all this kind of stuff. So there's lots of nuances. The offense looks very simpler, simple. And it, mm-hmm. it, and that's why it's a great one for youth coaches, actually, in some respects, as long as they can enter yeah. the ball because it's easy and they don't have to right. worry about it. But when you get to your level or my level, then the complexities of, okay, they're switching or what are we going to do here? What happens when we mm-hmm. Mm. There's a lot of little pieces to that offense.
0: Hey, and Steve, and one of the mistakes I think I was making early this decade when we weren't competitive was, well, everyone else is running this. I mean, there right. are videos on it. Uh, right. The best coaches in the nation are running it. Well, I guess I should, too. It just wasn't a fair fight, so we had to do something. Uh, the old, uh, it's an overused term, but think outside the box. and and. Our <laughs> way about thinking yeah. outside the box was going way back to the 1970s. To I don't even so. talk about,
2: I don't even talk about thinking outside the box. If there's a, that's even assuming there's a box. I want you to just <laughs> think differently. That's what I always mm-hmm. talk about because people say, yeah. I, you know, think that there's a box we're talking in right now. And if I'm thinking, I don't even want to think that there's a box. I want you to think so far out that there's not even a box. Mm-hmm. Just think differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, do
0: you think that there's peer pressure on coaches, especially young coaches to, to uh, conform to, to the basketball culture, uh, especially when, when it comes to to offense?
2: I, I Well, I think there's a lot of, I think there's peer pressure. I think there's, um, I'm just trying to think of the exact way to say it. Um, the last, you know, in the last five or six weeks, there's been a lot of pre clinics and things going on and all this great stuff. You know, you to be a good coach, for someone that's done this for a long time, you have to be you, first of all. Second mm-hmm. of all, you got to figure something you're comfortable coaching. Um, right. I mean, that, that was your third point, something you you feel you can teach and coach um mm-hmm. you know i don't have duke's players <laughs> i don't you know mm-hmm. K can do that but you know i gotta read what i got and then be able to teach that so i think it's this it's the kind of the shiny object syndrome a little ooh, they're doing mm-hmm. it. they're doing it you know like syracuse yeah. national title that's two three zone Wow, look at what virginia virginia's playing pack line let's play pack i mean they're all good and i'm not saying you can't do them but Mm-hmm. um I think you got to find what works well for your system, your program, your community, your players. There's, it's this, yeah. there's, they're, they're called lurking variables, and there's so many of them. Mm-hmm. You got to try to neutralize as many of them as you can. Um, yeah. And you're probably able to recruit and get players that can run that kind of system. That's what Bo yes. Ryan did at Wisconsin. He went to the Final Four tier. He got specific yeah. players that, you know, if Duke would have called them, they'd all gone to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but he got players that would fit his system and run run it the way that he thought but yeah i think i think for young coaches listening i think you just got to find something and you'll change you'll change over time mm-hmm. uh, i mean i've had teams where we will outscore you we will beat you 100 and my last state tournament team a couple two or three years ago we wanted to be in the 40 because we had a great center and we were going to grind you it's like yeah. so i think that's what good coaches do they they you have to adjust to it but yes i think there's some un- unconscious peer pressure i think like mm-hmm. look what they're running i need to run that too and you know, I, right? I was privileged and to you watch and i are old enough that we don't take that too much yeah, yeah. and,
0: and uh, i i even have uh and it, it, it's used against us like uh, you want to go to grove city and run the flex yeah because it's it, i think there's a mindset among players that freedom is well, i just go down there i dribble drive and i kick right. if we define freedom it's it I, I, I think it's it's being successful running what is is good for you. So uh, a six six kid is not having much freedom when he has to break down a, at least a division three, break down a kid and then kick for three. But right. his freedom is I'm I'm gonna get big. I'm gonna I'm gonna post up and I'm gonna go to work on the block. How many kids do you normally keep on your roster? We keep twenty, which okay. may seem like a lot, but we we try to develop and. and because we're uh, we're heavy on bigger players and uh, bigger I mean taller players that can, you know, we try to play three power forwards at the same time oftentimes if they're very skilled they may be going and playing at a division 2 or NAIA school those young men that we get may not be developed either in terms of skill and oftentimes it's because, well, they were in a dribble drive situation in high school. And so they right. played on the backside and were just there to rebound or they're, they're physically immature. And so we have to develop them. So of the, the, 20 the maturity guys,
2: level is crazy too. I've seen my son in the last six weeks, how much weight he's put on and how strong yeah. he's got because he's going to graduate. It's like, there's, there's kids do that. There's, that's not a, it's not a perfect window of when that happened, mm-hmm. either, you know? Um, yeah. And
0: we oftentimes get the late bloomers, which is okay. Yeah. And, and we can develop them in, in, in uh, we have 10 10- G, AV games that we play. Well, see, week. that's
2: the key. I mean, I don't think 20, yeah. trust me, from the D3 games I've seen in our area, and I've watched some of my players go and play and the couple coaches I've talked to, That that I mean, I think that's part of it is a um, recruiting tool par, uh, for the school too. They want people to play sports. They want them to come to the school. Yes. There's all sorts of stuff. So uh, it's not a roster of 12. It's going to be, they're going to be no. bigger rosters. Yeah. I think yeah. in the D3 too. Um,
0: it, it's almost like a farm system or a A system.
2: Yeah, and, yeah, because uh, the difference between an 18-year-old and a 22-year-old is a lot different than a 14 to 18. The spread amen. is bigger, in my opinion. Yeah, um, yeah. physically, uh, mm-hmm. there can so much can happen there in that in that stretch. All right, so you talked about uh, your picking the offense. What about opponents? You were talking about opponents. You had three oh, points uh, you were trying to make.
0: Yeah, our offense and our ability to the teams that we have. You know, our own talent. We also have to look at the talent that we're playing against. Uh, looking at our league, well, everyone's dribble drive. I'm not going to run that because they already have better talent to start i'm not going to do that Uh, i'm going to do something different just like you would when you mentioned your defense you're trying to when they zig you zag
2: right Mm. and are you thinking that for your defense too against the dribble drive if eight of the ten play dribble drive then your defense must count try to counter that we switch everything defensively
0: and and that that's our counter to to what we
2: see, and you switch and on, make miss You switch on left, right. You switch on everything, everything, yeah. and that now, causes.
0: And back in the day, we were Wisconsin pack line. Okay.
2: <laughs> no, I think switching is good. I, we we in the last couple of years have gotten to the rule of if someone scores a scores on us three straight times, we change no matter what. We're just trying to keep their rhythm. I like um, that. Yeah, three seem to be the perfect. I'm rhythm. writing that down. That's okay, hey buddy. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Make sure you no matter where you listen, Apple. Spotify we love those 5 star reviews make sure you also go over and check out teachups.com for coaches who want to get better
1: Sports Social Podcast Network 18 plus.